Coming to you from Annapolis, Maryland, home of the U.S. Naval Academy, the sailing capital of the world, home of the world's largest crab feast, and four signers of the Declaration of Independence. This is the Eye on Annapolis Daily News Brief, a daily roundup of local news that you can use, including local sports, local events, local opinion, and local weather from DMV Weather. Now here's your host, publisher of Eye on Annapolis, John Frenet. Good morning. It is Wednesday, June 27th, 2018. This is John Frenet, and this is your Eye on Annapolis Daily News Brief. Well, we now know who the winners of yesterday's primary elections were. Okay, let's run down this election a little bit here. Some surprises and some not. In the end, there were 66 races that I predicted. I got 50 of them right, 16 of them wrong. That's a 76% accuracy rate. I'll take that. They told me when I was in college that C's get degrees, so we'll go from there. We'll regroup for the general election and see what happens. Looking down some of the races, I'm not going to go over them all, just some of the surprising things that I saw. Statewide in the governor's race, um, I was a bit surprised that Ben Jealous took Rusher and Baker on that. Um, He does have a big mountain to climb come November. Larry Hogan has nearly $10 million in cash, and Ben Jealous has just about $200,000 from what I last saw. Moving down into the state level, State Senator District 30, Sarah Elfrith came out on top of Chrissy Holt. I thought that would be a lot closer. Chrissy Holt lost to Sarah about by a 60-40 split. Sarah will take on Ron George in November, and Ron is a very formidable candidate there. Up in District 32, I thought Maureen Bryant would take it on the Republican side, and as it was, it was John Grasso, who is finishing out his second term on the Anne Arundel County Council. Moving over into the House of Delegates in District 30A, Alice Kane and Mike Bush came on top, leaving Mary Reese and Aaron Axe behind. That race was also the most undervoted race in the county, which indicates that somebody called for a single-shot vote, which would have given Speaker Bush a significant advantage there. On the Republican side, I thought Darren Burns and Bob O'Shea would come out on top, and Darren did not. It looked like it's Bob O'Shea and Chelsea Gill will be taking on Alice Kane and Mike Bush for two seats come November. Up in Pasadena in District 31B, I went out on a limb. I thought John Leopold could resurrect his political career. I was way off on that. He didn't even come close. It was a runaway for Nick Kipke and Brian Chisholm, who will be taking on Harry Freeman and Karen Simpson in November. That is a heavily Republican area, so I think that Kipke and Chisholm probably have their seats already. Just up the road from Pasadena a little bit in District 32, which is the Linthicum area. I thought Patrick Armstrong had a chance with the death of Ted Sophocles, However, it was Mike Rogers that slid into that spot that I had. It was Mike Rogers, Sandy Bartlett, and Mark Chang, who are the three that are going against Patty Ewing, Mark Bailey, and Tim Walters. District 33, which is Severna Park, down into Arnold, a little bit over into Reba. And I thought Jerry Walker would take one of those seats, but he did not. He came in fourth place, and that will remain the same. Mike Malone, Tony McConkey, and Sid Saab. Again, a heavy Republican district. Heather Bagnell, Pam Luby, and Tracy Hubbermail have their work cut out for them if they are looking to take one of those seats come November. The most shocking race of the day was the Circuit Court District 5 for Anne Arundel County. The Republican side, Mark Crooks was on top by leaps and bounds, and that was completely expected. 
On the Democratic side, I had Claudia Barber up on top on that. And surprisingly, Mark Crooks came up on top on the Democratic side as well. That assures that Mark Crooks will have a full 15-year term as a circuit court judge. I think there probably is some technical qualifications that he needs to do, like he needs to have at least somebody vote for him in November, but he will appear as the only candidate running for circuit court in November. So if you're not doing anything on November 6th, give Mark Crooks a vote and give him a job for the next 15 years. Moving over into the county council, surprise in District 1. Incumbent county councilman Pete Smith lost his seat to Sarah Lacey. Shocked there. Pete has done a really good job for District 1, and I am shocked that he was ousted. Moving down to District 5 in the Arnold, Severna Park area, current county council chairman, single-term councilman Michael Perutka was ousted by Amanda Fiedler. Again, this was a sort of a surprise to me. I thought Perutka had significant backing from the GOP. Of course, he had quite a bit more money than Amanda Fiedler as well, but apparently he has lost his seat in District 5. County Council District 6, I had Scott McMullen winning this, but I did say that Lisa Rodbien might be able to take that because she had the teachers in endorsements. It appears that Lisa Rodbian is ahead of Scott McMullen at this point. However, I will preface that to say that there are still provisionals and absentees to count, but I'm not sure that they can make up the full 173 votes to get that win for McMullen. Down in South County, Jessica Hare is on top of Jonathan Boniface. I had that one wrong. I thought Boniface was going to be able to take that, but and he was ahead for most of the day, but Jessica Hare seemed to come back at the very last minute. In the Anne Arundel County State's Attorney's race, Wes Adams came out on top of Kathy Rogers, and he will take on his predecessor, Ann Colt Lytus, again in November. And that's sort of a rerun of the last election, sort of throwback to the Ehrlich O'Malley race that we had for governor. For Anne Arundel County Sheriff on the Republican side, Sheriff Ron Bateman appears to have lost his job. Jim Fredericks came out on top of that four-way race with Ron Bateman in second, Beth Smith in third, and Damon Ostis in fourth. Other ones were not much of a surprise. Clerk of the Courts was Scott Poyer and Doug Arnold, who will be taking each other on in the November race. Register of Wills will see Joseph Janoski and Lauren Parkin. And the judge for the Orphans Court will see Vicki Gibson and Tori Jacobson taking on Maureen Carr-York, Nancy Phelps, and Alan Rebskowski. Exciting primary race. We are going to regroup, figure out what the hell we're going to do for the general election, how we're going to bring the candidate information to you. So make sure you are tuned into both the Ion Annapolis Daily News Brief as well is the Maryland Crabs podcast. And now let's get into some like other news. In other news, yesterday, as expected, Historic Annapolis held a press conference down at City Dock to announce that the National Trust for Historic Preservation has named City Dock as one of the most endangered places in the country. Several people addressed the crowd of more than 100, including Bill Kardash, the chairman of Historic Annapolis, Tom Mays, who is with National Trust for Historic Preservation, Nick Redding with Preservation Maryland, Robert Clark, the CEO of Historic Annapolis, State Senator John Astle, County Executive. Steve Shu, Alderwoman Ellie Tierney, and Annapolis Mayor Gavin Buckley. Perhaps one of the most powerful remarks came from Nick Redding from Preservation Maryland. Water is central from everything that has or will happen to this community, from trade to merchants to architecture and today's threat of sea level rise. Water drives this place. It's the water that makes Annapolis, and in my mind, the water that brings us here today. Changing zoning to meet passing political desires is no way to treat this historic place and could permanently alter the community's connection to the water. 
And if you're interested in hearing the entire press conference, it is about 30 minutes long. I'll tag it on here to the end of this podcast. In other Annapolis City news, Annapolis City Manager Teresa Sutherland has nominated and announced that Jody Dickinson, who was her assistant auditor at the county and succeeded her as the auditor for Anne Arundel County, has been named as finance director for the city, effective August 1st, 2018. She does need to get confirmed by the city council, and that is likely to happen on July 9th. Dickinson's starting salary will be $151,000. Just out Route 50 by about 30 miles, the U.S. Supreme Court in a 5-4 to decision has upheld President Trump's ban on travel from several mostly Muslim countries. The 5-4 decision is a big victory for Trump on an issue that is central to his presidency and the court's first substantive ruling in the Trump administration. True to being Trump, the president reacted on Twitter by saying simply, Wow. Back here in Anne Arundel County, County Executive Steve Hsu has issued his fourth veto of his term, and this was on the plastic foam ban, which was approved by the County Council earlier this month. The ban was for restaurants to have them eliminate plastic and styrofoam containers for serving and takeaway. It was a bipartisan effort led by County Councilman Chris Trumbauer, and it passed on with a 4-3 vote. To override the veto, the Council will need at least a 5-2 vote to override that, and I'm not exactly sure when that might take place based on the elections. That would certainly have something to do with it. That's about it for the top news today. Please make sure you're checking on ionanapolis.net throughout the day because we will have updates throughout the day as we always do. Hang tight. We've got George Young on deck from DMV Weather and he's bringing you your local weather forecast. Hi, this is Anne Arundel County Executive Steve Shu. It breaks my heart to see families destroyed by the trauma of addiction. That's why we're doing everything possible to fight heroin and prescription drug abuse. If you are a parent, talk to your kids about the dangers of prescription drugs. If you are struggling with addiction, now is the time to get help. Go to denialisdeadly.org or call 410-768-5522. This is Maryland. The weather can be nearly unpredictable. We've got George Young from DMV Weather in Annapolis to sort it all out. Hey everyone, this is George with DMV Weather, and this is your Ion Annapolis forecast for Wednesday, June 27th. Yesterday was ridiculously nice out for the Annapolis area, with temps once again in the low 80s with low humidity. Hopefully everyone got a chance to get out and vote as a result. And while today will again bring temps in the 80 to 85 degree range, Changes will occur as a low-pressure center and related frontal boundary will move in from the west-northwest and showers and thunderstorms will break out as a result of the horizontal and vertical mixing of air. Therefore, look for potential rain from around 12 p.m. or so today and beyond, with the threat lasting all the way into Thursday morning before the next threat moves into the area in the form of hot temperatures with highs Thursday and Friday upper 80s to near 90 while Saturday and Sunday will almost definitely be in the 90 to 95 plus degree range with heat indices at or above the 100 degree mark. So definitely make plans for the pool or beach or movie theaters or ball fields or wherever this weekend as it'll be sunny and hot out, but also plan to stay hydrated wherever you are and whatever you do as this heat will be borderline dangerous. Okay, that's it for us today. Be sure to follow DMV Weather anywhere, anytime on our website at dmdweather.com, or on Facebook and Twitter, as well as on our app, which you can download for free by searching for DCMDVA Weather in the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. 
This is George Young of DMV Weather. Make it a great day out there today. And always remember, whatever the weather outside, have fun and be safe. Do you know what your teens are doing this summer? Don't be afraid to ask. The most recent Maryland Safe and Supportive School Survey shows three-quarters of Annapolis high school students say it was fairly or very easy for students in their grade to get alcohol. Underage and binge drinking is very real Annapolis. If you give them access to alcohol, you're not cool, but you are liable for the outcome. Create a safe environment for your teens and their friends this summer. If they need to talk, listen. If you need to talk, we'll listen. We're here for you and your children. We're ASAP. Annapolis Substance Abuse Prevention. ASAP facilitates healthy community change, prevents and reduces binge drinking, underage drinking, and alcohol-related auto crashes among youth and young adults through locally-led collaborations and evidence-based prevention strategies. Visit us at PreventSubstanceAbuse.org. This message is supported by SAMHSA and the Maryland Behavioral Health Administration. Thanks for listening to the Ion Annapolis Daily News Brief. If you like what you heard, make sure to tell your friends and colleagues about it. And also tell them about our website, ionanapolis.net, where you can find much more. Be sure to check out our other weekly podcast, The Maryland Crabs. This podcast comes to you every Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Good morning, everyone. Uh, I'm Bill Cardass, Chairman of the Board of Trustees for Historic Annapolis. I want to welcome you and thank you for joining us today for this important announcement about the importance of City Dock to the, to the historic fabric of our city and, in larger measure, the prominence of historic preservation as a reflection of not just our past but our future as well. We have a brief program that I think you will find both interesting and hopefully thought provoking. There will be a few speakers to highlight our announcement. In the interest of time, we won't have a formal question and answer period, but if those in the media can stay a bit longer, feel free to contact and direct questions to our speakers. Before we begin, I wanna thank Jane and Pete Chambliss for making their garden available for this event. Few people are more committed to the future of uh, preservation in Annapolis and City Dock than Jane and Pete. I also want to recognize members of Historic Annapolis Board of Trustees, many of whom are here this morning, along with our dedicated staff, who, as usual, carry the ball and make this all happen. I also, I also want to recognize a few local political leaders who are here today. Mayor Gavin Buckley, <laughs> State Senator John Astle, County Executive Steve Hsu, Alderwoman Ellie Tierney, and I noticed former Mayor Ellen Moyer uh, came in. <laughs> now I'd like to introduce Mr. Tom Mays, Vice President and General Counsel for the National Trust for Historic Preservation, uh, who has an important announcement to share with us. Tom. Thank you, Bill, and good morning. I'm honored to be here. And thanks to everyone for coming, especially Senator John Astle, Mayor Buckley, Chairwoman Ellen Tierney, County Executive Steve Shue, members of Historic Annapolis. Thank you. Can you all hear me? 
members of Historic Annapolis, and Preservation Maryland, and all distinguished guests. I don't need to tell anyone here about the importance of the place where we stand today. Um, only about a year ago, I was here speaking about why old places matter, and this is an old place that matters. Annapolis's city dock isn't just the heart of this historic colonial city where residents come to connect with the waters of the Chesapeake Bay. It is one of the state's premier heritage tourism destinations, drawing visitors from around the world who are attracted to its connections to our history and unique charm. Centuries after its creation, City Dock still contributes to Annapolis's economic vitality in large part thanks to the reasonable and carefully enforced historic district guidelines that have protected its irreplaceable buildings and unparalleled views which are now threatened. We at the National Trust for Historic Preservation stand with you in working to protect this cherished place. That's why, on behalf of everyone at the National Trust, I'm here to announce Annapolis's city dock as one of America's 11 most endangered historic places for 2018. For more than 30 years now, our 11 most list has called attention to the hundreds of threatened and irreplaceable historic treasures across the country and worked to galvanize communities to help defend them. Through the list, we encourage people to get involved and get active through preservation organizations, social media, however they can, and not let today's historic treasure be tomorrow's regret. We are proud to say that in the 31 history of the 11 most list, fewer than 5% of all the sites that have been listed have been lost. And this year, along with other iconic American places like Denver's Larimer Square, historic Route 66, George Washington's Mount Vernon, and the many hurricane-damaged resources of Puerto Rico and the U.S. Virgin Islands, we are honored to join with all of you here to protect what is one of the most intact and authentic colonial towns in the nation. Annapolis deserves redevelopment that embraces the remarkable heritage of this community and provides for compatible growth within the framework of existing preservation guidelines. Since its listing as a National Historic Landmark District in 1965, generations have worked to protect City Dock. This place, its history, and its surrounding views belong to all Americans. Today, we at the National Trust are here to answer the call with you and keep this historic place thriving for generations to come. Thank you. And now I'll turn it over to Robert Clark. Good morning. Thank you for being here. Uh, our partners, uh, Preservation Maryland, the Ward 1 Residents Association, our elected officials, current and former, we're grateful for everybody being here this morning. Historic Annapolis agrees with the National Trust that the Annapolis City Dock is threatened. Our position 
Any proposal to upzone City Dock to mixed use endangers a key part of what makes Annapolis special and it should be rejected. We cannot underestimate long-term implications change to our historic district, the heart of our city. How do you define downtown Annapolis? Is it the people, the buildings, the connection to the water, maritime community, state government, United States Naval Academy? These are all elements of the rich tapestry that we all enjoy. The reason I'm here, and the same for many of you, we want to see any new legislation affecting this area to protect and enhance Annapolis tapestry rather than threaten. MX is not the right path. Removal of critical height and bulk restrictions, decades preserved authentic human scale setting that equals the Annapolis experience. Overscaled development at the water's edge, allowed by this change, threatens to sever the critical connection between the water and the city. View sheds could be lost. New development allowed under this zoning change could stress fragile foundations and historic masonry, endangering our historic fabric. Historic Annapolis is not opposed to redevelopment, but we reject an ordinance and a proposal that is a direct, in direct odds with historic preservation. Historic preservation is about looking forward, not backwards. It's about managing change while preserving our historic character in the Annapolis sense of place. Historic preservation is a catalyst for economic development and heritage tourism. Over the course of the past 50 years, numerous Annapolitans have invested in the care, upkeep, and protection of this unique place. As a result of these efforts, Annapolis is one of the state's premier heritage tourist destinations, drawing visitors from around the globe, city's charm, and history, providing the city with economic vitality. Lastly, historic preservation is about embracing our history and architecture, and these must serve as a framework for any new development. One of the goals of historic Annapolis is to serve the best interest of our community in protecting the city's historic character. Over the next several weeks, we look forward to working with the city, the Urban Land Institute, and other partners to craft solutions that do indeed serve the community's best interests, which is why I invite the public to seriously weigh in. We're seeking subsidy public input and support. The best plan will be a collection vision of the reimagined city dock that protects view sheds, respects environmental concerns, and presents a context-sensitive design that maintains our historic character and residents' quality of life. All of these goals can be achieved within the existing zoning framework. Let's work together to get it right. I would now like to invite Nick Redding, Executive Director of Preservation Maryland, to share a few words. Thank you. Well, it's a, a pleasure to be here with everyone today, um, and thank you to our colleagues at the National Trust for Historic Preservation and Historic Annapolis, as well as those elected officials here with us today, uh, joining us in opposition uh, to the proposed rezoning of this place. The National Trust and Historic Annapolis both have tr terrific track records of working to restore and protect places that truly matter, and we've been working right alongside them since our founding back in 1931. And that's what we're here to talk about today, protecting a place which truly matters, not just to Annapolitans, but from our statewide perspective, to Marylanders from Oakland to Ocean City, and to countless Americans and, and travelers from across the globe. Few words in Maryland history or geography like Annapolis conjure up as much history, drama, 
uh, and culture as, as Annapolis, from the Naval Academy to the capital where George Washington made not only American history, but truly world history. Annapolis has been at the very center of this experiment in American democracy since its earliest days. And at the center of Annapolis's story is its water. Water is central from everything that has or will happen to this community, from trade to merchants to architecture and today's threat of sea level rise. Water drives this place. It's the water that makes Annapolis, and in my mind, the water that brings us here today. Changing zoning to meet passing political desires is no way to treat this historic place and could permanently alter the community's connection to the water. But it's not just about history, heritage, or connections to water. Upending 50 years of good and decent planning could permanently impair the heritage tourism economy, which makes Annapolis the envy of so many historic communities. I travel all across the state, and people constantly try and compare themselves to Annapolis. How can we be more like that? How can we get heritage tourists here? And they do that because heritage tourists spend more and stay longer than any other category of traveler. And changing that district, which supports that economy by removing height and bulk restrictions and implementing MX zoning is a way of driving away these critical tourists. Annapolis, the state of Maryland, and the people of the United States deserve much better than what we're being presented with. And for those reasons and many more, I'm so pleased to stand here on behalf of Preservation Maryland to voice our concern and to offer our steadfast support to identify thoughtful redevelopment plans which embrace this sense of place which defines Annapolis without destroying the essence of what makes this community so unique. The future of Annapolis's history depends on what we do here today. And so I'm encouraging, along with Robert at Historic Annapolis, for the public to get engaged, to make your voice heard, to be a part of a transparent and public process. I'm also encouraging folks to visit presmd.org Annapolis, where you can sign a petition calling on the city to reject this proposal, whether you be an Annapolitan, whether you be a Marylander, or whether you be someone who loves Annapolis. Because we can find a new path forward which both respects Annapolis history and provides for a bright and prosperous future. With that, I'd like to introduce one of our elected officials that's joined us here today, Senator John Astle. Good morning, everyone on this beautiful day. It's, uh, I called for this, otherwise it would have been raining. You know, I may have a little different perspective because I live here, right up the street. When I came to Annapolis, I was really attracted to the idea that this was a historic town and I wanted to live in a historic home. So I, we bought a home right on Fleet Street that was built in 1784 and I've really enjoyed the 47 years that we've owned that home. But I'm concerned about the future of this neighborhood because I, I live here and I can, I'm going to continue to live here until they carry me out. Um, as it's been noted that this proposal to uh, repeal the height and bulk uh, uh, restrictions and making them more subjective and uh, opening, I believe, the city to expensive and time-consuming litigation if this were to be carried through. Um, this uh, relaxing of those standards would allow for rooftop bars, dining, uh, extended operating hours till 2 a.m. You know, the 2 a.m. license issue for those of us that live downtown has been an issue for the 47 years that I've lived here. Uh, I know firsthand how the proximity to water carries the sound. I mean, we can hear when they have concerts on the dock down here, 
uh, the music and the crowd noise carries up the streets and can, can be uh, problematic for the residents. Um, and I'm also concerned that this kind of development would have a negative impact on property values. I mean, you know, it's all about the money in the end. And um, I would hope that the value of my property is going to be something that I can leave to my kids and it's worthwhile. Um, the proposal also eliminates the application of historic preservation requirements on both sides of Ego Alley. And I think these, these restrictions have been in place for over 40 years now and have maintained a look and feel of the historic district honor the historic architecture in the sense that defies that defines our town and i think that the historic preservation commission is critical to maintaining the look and feel of our community now let me just touch on the proposed idea of the hotel uh, and before i say anything on my prepared notes let me just tell you that i've lived here long enough that i remember when the calvert house was being developed everybody wanted to see the calvert house done into something really nice and in the process there were a lot of promises made by the developer and, and by the city that there were not going to be a lot of truck traffic, a lot of deliveries, um, that the kitchen was going to be at the Maryland Inn and the kitchen in the Calvert House was merely a warming kitchen and so the food would be prepared in the Maryland Inn and carried over to the Calvert House. And well, what's happened, the developer's dead, the place is under new ownership and no one remembers the promises that were made when that work was being done. But we live with it in the neighborhood. Every day when the garbage trucks come to take the garbage, and it's an uphill grade and they got to squeeze and compress that garbage and out comes that filthy water that is warmed by the sun and makes that neighborhood uh, a pretty foul place to, to be. And I'm just concerned about promises made and promises kept. Um, <clears throat> if the MX zoning were not in place, uh, they could still do a redevelopment of the city dock. The MX just opens it up and makes it uh, I guess more profitable for the uh, developer. The other thing that I'm hearing, and, uh, and I'd like to make sure that this is not really done, is that part of the deal would require the city to barter city property to the developer. Well, I think it's a tragedy, an atrocity, to take city land and give it to a developer for private purposes. I mean, that's not what we pay taxes to protect our, our lands about. So uh, that, would, uh, that would concern me. And the, the idea of an underground garage you ever tried this street in the summer when uh, traffic is in uh, a uh, little street down here in the summer when traffic, or the one out here in the summer when traffic, I mean, it would just be unbelievable. And you're not going to keep pedestrians off, and that's, I think, the biggest problem is uh, keeping the pedestrians out of the crosswalks long enough to let the traffic go by. So with, with that, um, I'm here as a citizen. Uh, I think all of you know I'm not running again, so it's the first election day in 36 years that I'm free, and so I'm here as, as a citizen, as a resident of downtown, and thank you all for your attendance. Good morning. I'm County Executive Steve Shu. What a beautiful Anne Arundel County day. It's a pleasure to be here with you for this important announcement. I'm here today because the futures of Annapolis and Anne Arundel County are inextricably intertwined. Annapolis is at the very heart of our wonderful county, steeped in glorious reminders of Maryland's and America's past, and pulsating with the music, the culinary delights, the performing arts, commerce, and tourism of today. Anne Arundel County cannot be fully successful 
and vibrant without a fully successful and vibrant city of Annapolis. The recent city election gave my friend Mayor Gavin Buckley a strong mandate for change and for charting the future course of Annapolis. You'll be hearing from the mayor in just a couple minutes. It is not for county government or me to determine that future course. That responsibility lies squarely with the mayor and the city council. We all recognize that change must come. We all agree that City Dock, one of the most spectacular places in the United States, should not be a parking lot, right? We all get that. City voters, city voters have made it clear that they want a new vision for City Dock. But as city leaders chart that future course, let us all remember that history need not be an impediment to moving forward. Any new vision for the future of Annapolis and City Dock should embrace our 400 years of history, not erase it. Being on the list of 11 most endangered in the United States does not mean change cannot happen or should not happen. It means we have to get it right. We in, we in county government stand ready to assist our city partners in any way we can to chart a brighter future for the great city of Annapolis. Thank you and God bless. And uh, I believe it's now Councilwoman Ellie Tierney's turn at the microphone. Thank you, Ellie. Thank you. Whoa. Thank you, Steve. Can you hear me? As I screwed up the microphone here. Thank you. I can just hold it. No, it's okay. Hello. Thank you for um, giving me the opportunity to share my thoughts today to our shared values. And I say shared as far as Democrats, Republicans, young and old. And to your credit, we've increased this uh, dialogue and we've elevated it. As most of you know, uh, we have a drafted ordinance that is nothing more than enabling legislation to support a proposed project on city dock property. Residents in the adjacent conservation district and elsewhere understand some of the implications. The closer they were, it was more a quality of life issue. The further away, it was mixed, mostly the visual implication. I've been steadfast on my opposition, and as with much in Annapolis, history is our textbook. Our history has proven that development unleashed purely by one-sided economics resulted in a calamity. For example, downtown in the 60s was left with abandoned gas stations, dozens of vacant storefronts, and historic homes compartmentalized into low-rent apartment units. Pleas for a zoning ordinance with teeth came all the way down from the Secretary of the Interior to protect Annapolis's architectural scale and waterfront views and it resulted in our designation and landmark status. Over 50 years later, we are celebrating that, and the city of Annapolis initiated a cultural landscape survey in deference to this milestone. That culminating report will soon be finished, and I look forward to its presentation. It is important as we find ourselves reviewing new zoning simply to enable a tourist-focused development to proceed on several property parcels, including city-owned. As Ward 1 Alderwoman, I rely on studies and past efforts reinforced by my background in knowing how to build cognizant of the parameters given. 
In this case, our parameters are an absolute. Our historic preservation guidelines are non-negotiable. These parameters are not only to protect old buildings, but our human scale, which is our uniqueness. I know firsthand how visitors come here from DC, Alexandria, and other destinations to just exhale, to digest our sense of place that no one else can offer. As Alderwoman, I must remain vigilant in advocating for historic preservation to our administration as protecting its living neighborhoods, its main street storefronts, its diverse architecture, and to invest in opportunities to not only wake up these buildings by adaptive reuse and residential influx, but having them as a backdrop for enhancing our public spaces. We have an economic opportunity to invest in green infrastructure with the goal of conserving our irreplaceable and diverse architectural, historical landscape and cultural resources. We will have the opportunity to review the culmination of hard work once the cultural landscape report is finalized this summer. I look forward to working with that as our guiding document in how to sensitively move forward. As I believe we can move forward with deserved respect to this canvas we were given. Thank you very much. Oh, yes, now I, it gives me the honor to introduce our mayor, Gavin Buckley. All right, thank you for having me. Um, I want to thank the National Trust for uh, drawing attention to this uh, historic Annapolis. Um, look, we all want the same thing. Uh, we all want um, a better downtown. In uh, about two months, the uh, Yacht Club will go back to its home. We will have another underperforming restaurant in a part of City Dock that we all agree needs some revitalization. What that revitalization is, is up to us, is up to this group. That's what makes this community great. We can come together. The irony shouldn't be lost on you that we're standing under a billboard next to a chain link fence in front of a couple of Coke machines. And across the road is a, a restaurant that we had an opportunity to move next to the Fleet Reserve Club and open up the complete sight line of Main Street. We missed that opportunity. So I look forward to working with you as Joe Riley did with his historic preservation commissions in Charleston, as the mayor of Alexandria did, as Kurt Smoke did with uh, Inner Harbor. We can reimagine City Dock together we can do better than 200 cars on City Dock, and that's what I'm here for. I'm here to find a way that we can do something better than making the best real estate in the city of Annapolis a parking lot. Whether that involves a hotel or not, whether that involves MX zoning or not, I, I'm not tied to those things. I want to work out with this city how we can make it more beautiful, more desirable, and have more tourists and more residents want to love this town as we do. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk. I'm here to, uh, whatever this is, I'm here to preserve Annapolis. <laughs> and thank you so much. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. I want to close with uh, a few final thoughts. We're grateful to our partners that made this event possible. We are determined to protect City Dock. I'm thrilled that the mayor was able to join us this morning. We urge all of you to go on the Preservation Maryland website, sign the petition. I wish you all a great day, and thanks for the great weather.